Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Well, my special guest on this week's Luck on Sunday is a man who has had one of the most interesting international training careers of the last three decades. He had no background in horse racing. He simply loved horses, knew that a jockey wasn't really going to be his thing, so set about becoming a trainer. He worked for John Dunlop as assistant for five years, to John Gosden for four years. Thereafter, he joined the nascent Godolphin operation and was credited, though unofficially, with an awful lot of their early success, the glory days of Balanchine and the brilliant and unbeaten Lamtara, after which he struck out on his own, initially in California and then moving back to Shalfleet Stables on the Berry Road in Newmarket from 1997, where he made an instant impression. He's trained no fewer than 14 individual group or grade one winners. He's had a Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, one of only a handful of British trainers to accomplish that achievement on dirt in the United States. He pulled off one of the greatest Royal Ascot gambles of the modern era with Laddie's Poker 2 in 2010. But recently he announced that that glorious training career would come to a close and it will end this week with a brace of runners at Royal Ascot. He says he is leaving the game with a smile on his face. Just how broad is that smile as we say very good morning and welcome to Luck on Sunday, Jeremy Nazida. Well, you look like a happy man. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm leaving the smile on my face. Um, yeah, no regrets. Um, no doors closed for the future. Who knows what the future holds? I'm just going to take some time out and relax, um, do a few things I want to do, spend my summer with my, my, two, my twin boys, and just see where, what the future holds from there. Was that a big driver in your, in your decision to say, I need a break, the fact that you wanted to devote more attention to them? Yeah, it is, it is, it is a thing where, you know, um, I've, I've realised that they're the most, probably the two, they are the two most important things in my life. Um, and just there's a lot of situations happening in my life and yeah without going into too much detail there's been a thought process here that this might be round the corner and it just, it just sort of came a time actually just before the Champions League final and the situation unfurled and I sat there and sort of made my decision basically on the Thursday and then went to Madrid on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday thought about things and thought, yeah, it's the right decision. Came home, made the announcement. You say it in a, it's, it's quite glibly that it was before the Champions League final, but there's a, there's a kernel of seriousness to this because you're a, a massive Tottenham fan. It's Tot nothing to do with Tottenham. No, <laughs> Tottenham are in the Champions League. This has been part of your life since you were a, a very Six. small boy. Been part of your family life as well. So did that, did that sort of make you play out your life a little bit in your own in your own head and think well what's it all about no I think the decision was there you know I went into this season and I'm you know at the beginning of the season for certain things you know I've started the season with 25 horses um, you know it's hard when you've seen the the absolutely top of the game um, to feel that you may be lacking a, a, a sort of team that can take you to where you want to go um, so, you know, there's been a few things going through my mind. I suppose I went up to York, um, I had a good York Dante mm. meeting, and two winners, nice two-year-old first time out, and Garris in the listed race. And honestly, most of it didn't get any real great kick out of it. That's been brutally honest. Um, you know, and that's, that's a sort of little reason. You start thinking, is this where you want to be at this moment? 
are you really reveling in the situation? Are you really enjoying it to the manner that you should do? Um, and I say horse racing was always my passion in life. And maybe there was an element where I wasn't getting the, say, the thrill that I should do. And then with a number of other things, then I sort of arrived at that point. I went to Madrid, thought it over in Madrid, um, said to my boys on the Saturday, we'd been out to lunch with a group of friends who always meet from Tottenham, and sort of 14, was, 14 of us were in at lunch. Uh, finished the lunch about sort of five o'clock, and I said, my boys, you've got to go, we've got to go home, you're going to have to sit down for an hour and a half and relax, otherwise you're not going to last the evening out. <laughs> and they sat down on their... They sat down, went back to where we were staying. They sat down on their uh, iPads, and I went and sat down, had a coffee, and just quietly thought through things and thought, yeah, this is the moment. This is, this is it. You know, and is there ever a good moment? But it was just the time for me to make that decision. The same, the, 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 the statement stands out in my mind when I made the decision. I had a smile on my face. The only very sad moment I had was with a group, the lads who worked for me. A few of them have been with me a long, long time. People I've known since 1990, people I've worked with since 1990 and 93 when we started up Godolphin. You know, there's three of my lads who were with me when Godolphin very first started. And then they've worked at Godolphin and they rejoined me when I came, came back to, um, you know, to train in England after I'd been in California. In fact, one of them during his holiday came and rode out for me in California. So people that I've known and are not just employees, actually, good good friends and that that was the that was the emotional moment of it mm. otherwise in my own mind I was very settled do you think in some senses when I read back that list of accomplishments and what's been an incredibly interesting career do you think in some respects that you've lived a trainer's career already even though you're only in your early mid 50s you've almost had enough high-octane life experience almost to last a, a fair bit longer than that. Oh, yeah, the racing's... I've lived a dream in racing. You know, I've seen everything. I've been lucky enough to be around so many fabulous horses and had so many amazing times in my life. Yeah, I've lived a dream, and I've sort of seen the, the pinnacle going back to my Godolphin days, you know, lots of days in my own training career. Um, yeah, maybe I've been spoiled. Tell me a little bit about that, that time with Godolphin. I mean, people take Godolphin for granted now as this global superpower. But what was it like being at, at the forefront of it when it was just a fledgling operation and, and just a, an idea, essentially, of Sheikh Mohammed's and the execution of that? Yeah, it was Sheikh Mohammed's idea. Um, when I first went to Dubai, the first year was Simon Crisford and Sheikh Mohammed. And, and you're, you're how old at this point? You're how old? That was in 1993, so I'm 30 years of age. Um, you know, started off with a, a small handful of horses. Um, honestly, it was Sheikh Mohammed's vision. Um, in the back of my mind, I thought this is half crazy. But you—that's that's the truth. You know, I thought, why do you need to do this? What is it? But you know, threw the heart and soul into it and worked away. Um, yeah, and that first year came back with a team of six, six horses. Um, Balanchine was the outstanding one. Um, she ended up Oaks and um, Irish Derby. Um, sadly, had colic surgery after that and didn't run again that year. But, you know, even for that first thing, when she was second, beating a short head in the 1,000 guineas, mm. the next day, state performer was fourth in the 2,000. We had a maiden win first time out 
um, at the meeting and it was sort of fell into place and the next year was the most amazing year that you could possibly be around and it's um, when I look back on that I don't really appreciate how unbelievable it was to have to be around horses of that calibre and achieve those things you know Oaks one day a derby the next day three group ones in you know you know, a classic in France, a group one in Italy, and a group one in Japan in one day. Mm. And, you know, times like that, which was just phenomenal. Um, yeah, and, there were, and you look back and say, when I looked through my training career, that horses that calibre, that elite calibre, you know, I always relate to football because it's my passion, you know, horses that you see like Lamtaras and Balanchines that are the, in football terms, are the Messis and the Ronaldos. Okay, well, there's, I don't know. I don't know any women footballers. So I don't so watch that, but you know they're that caliber. But turning around to that is, and then training in my own period of time with my own license, and and actually only twice thinking, as with all the group ones I have, and I want no detriment to them, but only twice feeling having a feeling that I had a horse of that elite caliber. You know, you real you look back at those times and think you're around sort of four or five of them in a short space of time, and then you go, yeah. then you go from 1996 to now and say, in my hands, I've only twice felt I had horses of that sort of level. So your expectation bar for yourself was set so high, but you were a young man, you were an impatient man, you wanted yeah, success yeah, in your yeah, own name. Yeah. I, I read an article, Sue Montgomery in the Independent, 1995. And essentially the thrust of it was all, here are these great winners. We all know, it said in the first paragraph, that these are all being trained by Jeremy Nazida and this young genius is not being given the, the credit for them. Was that the way you were feeling? Was that an accurate representation of the way you were feeling at the time? No, it was fabulous times. Of course, you know, you know I had an important role in, this, in, the, in the whole operation, mm. but um, there were moments that lived with me for my whole lifetime. Um, if I said to you, I, I've never... I've never experienced before or after the thrill that I felt the day Lamtaro won the King George and Queen Elizabeth. Never. It was just like a, a moment where it was an unbelievable moment. I've never, say, before or after, never even got close to that. So that was a, you know, they were dreams. They, you know, I was living out a, say, a childhood dream and ambition. And how lucky was I? How lucky was I? And you'd had a brilliant grounding as well. Five years with John Dunlop. Four years with John Gosling. I, I think it was more than four with John, you know. Yeah, worked for John in America as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did, I did a long apprenticeship, but it paid off later in my career. A lot of people wouldn't stay with a given trainer for, for those periods of time, particularly not in that pupil assistant role. Was that something you consciously wanted to do to really grow some roots within those establishments that you, you, you became familiar with? Yeah, there were, you know, there were two great men to work for. Um, you know, and I had fabulous times and enjoyed it. And when I look back on my, you know, with John Dunlop, the opportunities I had as a young man were unbelievable and gave me a grounding that you couldn't ask for anything better. And then hopefully it made me a, in a better position when I worked for John Gosden. Um, what do you think you yeah, learned? And I, and what I do you think, think you learned from when, that, I think when, it, when I was young, you know, there had to be the right time to go and do it. And... And I was thinking about, was this the right time to break out and do it, when John Gosden said to me one day, Sheikh Mohammed wants to sit down and have a chat with you. Mm. And then the Dubai thing came up, and then 
it evolved from there. But it was going through my mind, you've seen enough, you've learned enough, you're ready to go and take the next step. Um, but then, you know, seeing, is the timing right? And then suddenly, as, as fate goes, this situation came up where Sheikh Mohammed had this thought to, to create Godolphin, and I was asked to be part of that, and it was a you know, fabulous opportunity. And you had these two whirlwind buccaneering years, everything went right, tons of Group 1 winners, tons of Grade 1 winners around the world, the perfect stable, the perfect job, and then bang, you were gone. Why? Um, I was asked to go to France, to train in France mm -hmm. for Sheikh Mohammed, mostly on a similar role to with David Loder. David Loder, every yeah. yeah. Um, and I declined that. Um, situation changed. Um, so once you said I, I, no, I, I, I suppose you don't. When, when you're offered something, um, if you sit down and learn, you don't say no to a um, a rule of a country. Or he wasn't the rule at that time, but as a powerful man as Sheikh Mohammed, I said no. I don't regret it. Um, you know, and it left me in a situation where another avenue had to open up. So essentially, you, it became untenable because he wanted you to do X, you wanted to do Y, and yeah, the twain weren't going to meet. Yeah, you know, and I said, no, I don't want to go to France. You know, my passion in life had always been horse racing in England. Did I want to go to France? No. I mean, I, I've always fra found French racing, to go to a French race course other than Arc Day, is the most unattractive and unappealing um, racing experience you can possibly have. So that's put the kibosh on yeah, that. You know, and I, you know, I'm an Englishman. Uh, English racing, for all its faults, is the, is the greatest, greatest racing stage in the world. But you did go to California straight away. I went to California. Well, uh, you know, I'd spent, you know, I was in a position where I had to make a choice of what I went and did at that time. And you've got to remember that that's only really evolved in, um, from after the King George and Queen Elizabeth, when Sheikh Mohammed announced mm -hmm. that I was going to train for him privately in France. Um, it wasn't a situation that I knew was even going to be announced <laughs> at the time. So it was a, it was a, it was a strange one. So, so it was just, and I'd worked in California, and I had a fabulous time in California, and I enjoyed it, and um, I thought, go to California. Then when I went to California, I came home from, for the, I'd started in California, had my first runner in um, February. I think sort of, what was it? Five of my, five of my first six runners were winners first runner was a winner and things were going well I was getting offered and I came back to Royal Ascot and when it came to going back to California I didn't want to go and I all, at that moment realized that I was training in a place and things were going well but it wasn't where I really wanted to be England was where my heart was so then I sort of played out another whole over a year 14 months just making the plans in my mind to return to England when would you say during your period with a license in, in Britain, mm. so from 97 to now, when do you think you were at your happiest, personally? Oh, in the early 2000s, for sure. Um, yeah, right through. And then I went, you know, and I don't want to go into it, see, but I went through a, a lot of personal turmoil in my relationship, a divorce and things like that. And, it, you know, if I look back, there's lots of things. You make mistakes in life. You know, I made I made personally a lot of mistakes, which also then sort of reflected in my professional sort of career. I have no regrets about them. You know, that's life. It's mm. where you it's where you end up in life, not where the, you know. Until the report's written at the end of it, who knows where you are? But if you end up in the right place, then that's all that matters. And but that that was the time. You know, the the great years. Uh, 
in England was sort of 04, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07, you know, and it's, it seems a long, long time ago. Uh, was, there, was there one victory during that period where you thought, I'm on my way now, I'm, I'm there with the, with the elite band of trainers? No, I ne- never, never, most certainly never sat and thought that. Always strove to be wanted more and never really enjoyed. I was never a great one to go and never most probably enjoyed having winners. Um, enough. Enough. And if I give you an example, say when Wilco won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile on the dirt, um, with my ex-wife Sally, I was, we were in, in thing, and with Lord Derby, they decided that we can have a party at the Four Seasons. Um, and I said, yeah, we'll, we'll split it down the middle half and half. Because um, he went, had Ouija board win on the same had Ouija night. Board, the, two, the two British winners that night. Uh, the party started, uh, and there was loads of people there, and I don't know what time it was, but it must have been 10, just after 10. And I said to Sally, I said, I'm sort of, you know, this isn't really me. Uh, I was just relieved that the horse had won. I was over the moon, but relieved the horse had won. And I went and sat with sat and had a um, an English breakfast tea in America and a apple pie and ice cream, and then went to bed and left everyone else partying. So m- throughout it, I can tell you, wi- you know, when I had a big winner, it was as much sitting down and saying a relief, and I mostly left it behind already by the time it was already left behind and put in a box and then went to bed and woke up the next morning and it was done and then it's just moving on to the next one so is that a measure of how tightly you are winding yourself towards each of these races i think so yeah yeah i I, I sit back and say i didn't enjoy the good days enough so you get i read it in the racing post and you alluded it to it just then you're giving yourself quite a hard time for making a mess of certain things in yeah, your personal it was, life. It was, but it, it was the fear, it's, you know, in my career, it was the fear of failure mm. rather than enjoyment of success. But if you're, that, if you're that taught inside and you're that wound up and that driven to, to succeed, that's going to make you quite difficult to live with. It's quite, it makes you quite difficult to live with for yourself, never mind anyone else who, who's <laughs> around you anyway. So it's just your, your kind of determination in, in that regard comes at a bit of a price, doesn't it? Yeah, most of it does come at a price, you know. It does come at a price. And, um, you know, maybe that's... I, I haven't thought about this till we're talk, sitting here talking now, but maybe that's why I arrived at this point now and say, I need some time, and it's the right time for me to do it. And I'm saying... I haven't read the article from yesterday. I hate reading about myself. So I haven't read yesterday's article <laughs> from the Racing Post yet. So I don't, I don't even know what, what Peter Thomas even put down in it. I said to a couple of people, how was the article? They said it was all right. Yeah, it was if, good. They, if they said the article was good, then I don't, I don't, I don't need to read it. Yeah, it I might read it in a month's time. I put the Racing Post to one side and I haven't read it. But um, It's interesting you say that, actually, because it, it was going to prompt me to ask my next question, which was clearly you in you enjoy the idea of being a successful person and you are very, very ambitious. But would it be fair to say that at the same time you didn't particularly enjoy the limelight? The yeah, limelight, yeah, limelight was never something that I strove for. I was, you know, I'm sitting here doing an interview now, but you mostly know I was never the person to want to go out there and be interviewed and spend time with press and promote things. Not really what, it's not, not the person I am. And, you know, so it came down to it. I want to say it, I mostly said it in the article yesterday. 
I'm in a privileged position, sort of financially and stability, that I can make this decision at this time. But there's key elements that you arrive in, and I've said it. To, you know, one. Th I don't want. Look, I, I love horse racing, and I'm going to miss it. And I love training racehorses. There was. Maybe I'm going to be too frank here. There was times where I, I loved being around the horses. I lost the, the passion to go racing. And so you look back on yourself and say, you're at a time, and, and that's why when I sat quietly in Madrid and thought about things, mm. you know that it's the right moment. You know, and, 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 and that's it, you know. And it, but it's, I love horse racing. But, you know, and I say no doors closed, but maybe it's this time that I need to step away and, and just take a look from the outside and see where I am. And is there a sense, you, you, it's not just about maintaining personal relationships in your own life, but it's also being a trainer is about maintaining relationships with staff and jockeys and owners and what have you. Evidently, your relationship with your staff has always been pretty robust. Fabulous, yeah. yeah. Most probably I'm not the best person, you know, with, um, with owners. You know, I have a, you know, a, where I train horses. If they're the horse, if, when they're there, they actually become mine. And I set a plan of what I want to do, and maybe if, if, if someone wants to change that, then I'm not the easiest okay. person to change it, because I say, well, I know what I'm doing, and you're paying me, I just get on, I'm, I'm going to go and do it. But it's a results-based business, and your results have always held up well, even if you've, if you've had 150 horses in your yard, or if you've had 35 horses in your yard, your percentages have been good. If people had a, 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 one want to send a horse to Jeremy Desider in 2019, they surely know what they're going to get by now. And you're someone who doesn't brook much of an argument, and you, you don't really suffer fools. Yeah, it's it's not you know Barney Curley, very close friend of mine. Mm -hmm. He and I had dinner last Saturday night. We went out to dinner, just the two of us that came in, in Cambridge. And he said an interesting thing to me. And he said, "I see a, a sparkle in your eye." He said that mm. I haven't seen for a good while. And maybe I turn it around. Maybe have people seen that I'd lost that sparkle in my eye? And maybe I changed without even really knowing it and it's uh, it, it interested me that he came to me and we sat down at dinner and when I got, when I got out of the car he said I see a sparkle in your eye I haven't seen for a long while maybe other people were not seeing that sparkle anymore um, so I don't know so but it look I, I have a smile on my face yeah. I'm happy I don't know what the future holds and I've I'm privileged to be able to, to make that decision and be comfortable, financially stable to make that decision. So huge sadness for a you know, great team of people that work for me. Um, you know, and many thanks to all the people who supported me over the years. But um, you know, we'll see where we are. And, um, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's the right thing for, at this moment, for Jeremy Nozida. And you, you, have to, you, you, know, you have to look after yourself and you have to be happy. And, and, and you have to have, you know, as my Jesuit tutor said years ago, you have to get sort of, if you can put your head on your pillow every night and have peace of mind, he said, then life will be all right. And I, maybe for a long time, I haven't put my head on the pillow and had peace of mind. And, and, and it's those things, so. And uh, with horse racing as well, there's it, it, a lot of interesting situations evolve and an awful lot of, relationships that are unusual relative to the rest of the world between owners and trainers and the way that the whole business works can mm. be quite can be quite complex and I guess you have to protect yourself now a little bit because you've taken the last two or three years you've been involved in some pretty 
demanding situations where you've been bashed around a little bit. You know, you've had a lot of horses taken yeah, away. Yeah, you yeah, went through yeah. the Phoenix thing and came mm. out the other side. But there's only so much it's most that, that, you yeah, can that, take. That, that most certainly batters you, and that says, you know, lives. You know, it's 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 in your mind. Um, you know, this time last year, you know, it was a it was a a devastating time in my life with with Phoenix that when all those horses left. That was a really hard time to take and you know it was when I sat at home the night you know Gronkowski I'd laid him in my mind I'd gone from the previous November thinking I have a horse that is good enough to run in the Kentucky Derby I laid his program out we were all set and that's the sort of thing that would have really made you tick as well wasn't it and it made me really yeah. tick you know from November I the horse won at Chelmsford and it's funny you had moments of Furlong and I, two furlongs from home, I looked at the horse and thought, he let me down a little bit on the turf. And the two furlongs out, I was watching the race, and I thought, you're a dirt horse. You need to run on the dirt. And then he won the race well. And I was driving home and I said to, you know, um, Amir, who's, who's in charge of Phoenix, I said, this is a Kentucky Derby horse. I said, this is a dirt horse. And we laid the plan out, got there. Unfortunately, he got a temperature 10 days before the... Um, Kentucky Derby, so he didn't go. In early May, I lost, you know, lost the Phoenix horses. You know, and then you have nights. So that, you know, the night he ran in the, the the Belmont was a lonely evening. You know, I sat by myself and uh, I just turned on and watched the Belmont. He was second to a, a great horse, Justified Triple Crown winner. But it was like you laid out a plan, and he vindicated at that moment that he was a dirt horse. And you sit there and say, it's gone. You know, it was a dream and it had, it had unraveled. And, and if you're sitting there quietly by yourself at night and the phone doesn't ring, nothing happens, no one speaks to you, and, and you've gone through that process, there, it's, a, it's, a, a chastening, it's a chastening experience. I can, I can well imagine. You know, for, for someone who, as I am, when you, when you set your mind to that, it's a driving process to yeah. drive, and you've taken all the steps along the way, and then you've... You and then you sit second to justify and run a huge race, and then you say, "Okay, it didn't win. You wanted it to win, but you look back and say, what might have happened if we got to Kentucky Derby?" And so, so they're, they're, they're little things that go. But it's a uh, say how fabulous it was to have been in those positions at those times and had those dreams. And, and most things in life, the the as it was at Champions League weekend, the anticipation is normally better than the end result, you know, isn't it? <laughs> and I think that's, that goes in everything, not sport, anything you do, you know, it's the anticipation that's, that's the most exciting thing, isn't it? I, I only wish you could have derived sort of greater satisfaction from some of those, those great moments. Who, who amongst all the people you have trained for, if you, if you could train one, one last really big race winner for somebody, who would it be? And I've been lucky to train for some great, great people and big fans. I don't really, there, there's so many that I would like to do that for. So many I'd like to do it for. But to name one particular person, mm, it would be an unfair thing to do. Well, of course, the correct answer to that question was Doreen Table, because it is her it, colours you know, that you know, <laughs> will have look, your last, your yeah, last yeah, runner you know, at Royal Alaska instead look, of You know, Michael would be, you know, Michael and Doreen would be, in that little shortlist, yeah. but it's a shortlist. There's no, there's not one person I could come to and say, you yeah. know, that that's the person. No, but know. that would be, and that, that's a, you know, 
you know, it's, the horse is in great order. He'll run well. Win would be the icing on the cake. You know, I, I'm not, not going there with any real expectations. He's definitely no laddie's poker too, that's for sure. But, um, you know, we'll go there and we'll enjoy the day and that's it. You know, and we, you know I had yesterday morning Bombproof, who was going to be my other runner, unfortunately had a setback training yesterday morning, so he doesn't run. So now I'm just down to one. But that, that, is, that is horse racing. You know, and for myself, I can, I've been there, seen it, done it. The sadness for my owners, you know, Charles Fox and John Wright and um, Ben Wilson, for them, a dream where they had a horse and they were actually, two of them were with me yesterday morning, the horse worked, everything was spot on, and then an hour after he worked, the, you know, the dream was gone. So, but that's horse racing, but we've got over that. But my sadness for them is, is huge. Well, it, made me, it made me sit down there and think last night, you know, well, you know, you, it's, it's, it's the tough times that when you watch the racing on TV, people don't really appreciate the, the, the you know, for everything that goes right, nine things go wrong. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.